Hello, this is Mark Walton, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name's Matt Boisclair, and we're all a bit giddy this evening as Fulham deservedly inflicted Liverpool's sixth home defeat in a row as Mario Lamina's strike right before half-time was backed up by a magnificent defensive display to drag us up to be on level points with Brighton one point behind Newcastle in the fight for survival. Matt Stato Arthur and Will Oakley join me to go back over the game if I can keep them from looking up replica grey cashmere Scott Parker jackets on the internet for long enough. So let's go. Fulham. Well lads, firstly and perhaps most importantly, anyone know where Scotty got his new jacket from? I could see myself wearing that. I thought it was a great jacket. Bold, but you know, what works works. Brilliant. Just needed the needed the black and white Fulham scarf to go with it. Then he, he would have looked he would have looked proper, I reckon. What do you reckon, Stato? Would you wear that? Yeah, I was, I was I was a bit of a fan of it. I mean I saw it at first and I wasn't sure, but you know, he's he's probably up there with one of the most fashionable managers in the league at the moment. And you know, if you've got it, you've got it. And you know, it was a great look and you know, I I think um was it Baldo he found it on the team chat and I think it was what one thousand pounds or something like that. No, so you know eighteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Should we start a whip run you know we can we can <laughs> yeah. share it on different days, you know. I'll have it Monday, Tuesdays, <laughs> yeah. you can have it Wednesday, Thursdays and uh Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I mean let, let's let's be honest. Uh, if we're if we're winning games like that week in, week out, he can stand there in a full on rubber gimp suit for all I care. A magnificent result today. Magnificent I've result. I've got one of those in my cupboard if needed. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief. All right, well let, let's let's quickly move on before we start talking about all of the inflatables in my loft again. Um we went for a standard four four two from the start at Anfield. Kenny Tete was back in at right back, Ola Aina at left back, Bobby Reed was on the right side of midfield, and then Caviero and Josh Madger both led the line. And we started as we meant to go on, really, with a great chance inside three minutes. Tete picked out Josh Madger, but Madger couldn't get his volley on target. He didn't quite connect with it. And then a good chance fell to Adamola Lutman, which he put wide. Again, it was a good start to the game from Fulham, wasn't it, Stato? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this was probably the first game in a while where I was more interested in looking at what the opposition would line up as compared to what we'd line up as, because we've got to the point now where we kind of know how we'll play, you know, whether it will be Aina or Tete at right back, whether it will be Cavalero or Bobby Deckard over Reed. It's more or less the same system. This is 4 4 2, and, you know, it's solid, it works, but. It was more about how Liverpool would line up today, given all their injury problems. And, you know, as soon as I saw that team, and particularly that defence, you know, I thought we could be in with a sniff here because that's a very weak team. It was almost reminiscent of that Man United win back in, I want to say, 2009, when we won 3-0 and they had a makeshift defence. And that is very much what Liverpool had. And, yeah, I just thought something could be on here. And we started really well, really positive. You know, what I, what I love about the Scott Parker team is... You know, no matter who we play, we stick to our guns. We we stay. We, we start playing the same way. We play our game. We like passing it around, and it's just really positive and great to see. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I I think the four four two is a great formation. To be honest, I I was quite surprised to see Loftus cheek drop. To be fair, because I feel like he's only getting better. But you know, you can't play every game, and the players replacing him did a good enough job today. 
by a mile. I mean, when you see Lookman, uh, Lookman, Bobby Reed, and Cav, you, I guess you don't really know which one of them is going to be playing up front and which two on the wing. But uh, it was Cav today, and I thought he was pretty good there. Besides Spurs, one of his best performances up front for us. I still do think he's better uh, on the wing, but you know he was good today. And he kind of plays around Madger. You know, Madger's more static. I think more static than we thought he was going to be uh, when he came in. But he does seem to create chances. And and Madger came close to a couple of goals today, to be fair. What I love about this kind of... What I love about Scott Parker and you know this team is that it's a 4-4-2, but it's not a rigid 4-4-2. Because we have these players who are so versatile and can play in multiple positions it kind of evolves and changes depending on the type of game and the type of situation we're in so we had Bobby Reed at white mid but you know he was there he could slot in at white wing back if needed if we needed to revert to a back five Lookman can come up top he can go out on the wing when we play players like Loftus Cheek sometimes he can drop back into the 10 sometimes he can go out wide and you know I think that's a great testament to Scott Parker and his setup that you know we have this kind of fluid dynamic team that isn't just set on one formation it's not just the formations as well, actually. It's also the players because, as you say, you know, some weeks uh, Loftus-Cheek gets left out, some weeks Bobby Reed, some weeks Lamina and Anguissa interchange, Robinson and Aina, Mitrovic, etc., etc. But all the players are, are grafters, aren't they? They they come in and we still have that same level of intensity about our performances now. We we didn't earlier in the season, but we've evolved into this team, and the team's found its rhythm. And and as as I say, it's not just that it's not just the the team that's on the pitch, the players that are on the bench as well. We we bring them in, and everybody's kind of really mucking in, and we've we've got a really good really good squad now, um, and and it's really started to pick up results as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. I saw um I saw something on Twitter uh, after the game, and it said today and throughout these last few months, they've really squashed the myth that lone players don't care. Like if you look, a lot of our squad are lone players, but they are putting their hearts like all out on the pitch, you know, and it shows that they care about this club. And Parker's got them motivated, knowing that they might be going back to bigger clubs in the summer, but they're all working their best for this club and trying to keep us up. And I think it's great the the mentality in them and the the strength of the squad, really. It's a great team spirit, and that's what Scott Parker said um, at the end of the game in his interview as well. You know, the, the team spirit is just really, really strong at the moment. Everybody's working for each other, and it, it doesn't matter whether you, you're contracted to, to Fulham or whether you're contracted to um, RB Leipzig or Leon or whoever else. You know, you're, you're currently playing for Fulham. You're in this moment, you're in this squad, and you're part of this squad, you're part of something. And they're they're really really doing well at the moment, and I, I never thought that we'd we'd get a result at Liverpool. Even you know, even when we were we were doing podcasts a few weeks ago and saying, well, Burnley have just won at Liverpool. Could you see us doing that? And Brighton have just won at Liverpool. Could you see us doing that? And at that time, I really couldn't. But you know, they're they're continuing to surprise us this team and continuing to to pull these results out of the bag, and and it's just amazing. And you know, three three or four weeks ago, we were ten points adrift, and now. We're level on points with Brighton. All right, Brighton have got a game in hand. And we're, we're one behind Newcastle because Newcastle got that, that draw at West Brom today, but we're coming for them for, for sure. Um, just before half an hour in today's game, even Caviero blasted over, went through on goal. It's frustrating that he still hasn't got any composure in front of goal. But as you said, Will, he's, you know, he's, he's not an awful centre-forward anymore. He's getting in good positions. He just can't finish. But for me, Sato, I think today as centre-forward, that was probably his best game for us. 
Yeah, I probably agree. As, you know, at the beginning of the game, I was a bit cautious of the fact that he was playing up top, given his record in the past. But you know, the runs he was making today, he was taking players on. His first touch was incredible. You know, he didn't have any clear cut chances today, so you know we can't like be angry that he missed anything because you know everything he did was generally quite good. And you know, again, testament to Parker for getting players like Cavallaro, getting his confidence up, getting him playing well. I mean, who this at this point last year, you know, the get football was kind of just getting suspended, and you know, it was we were doing okay in the championship, not great, but Cavallaro, he wasn't kind of this key player for us. He was kind of this winger who was doing well, who's doing okay. And, you know, who would have thought that uh, this type, you know, what fast forward one year, here he is playing quite a key role in our attempt at survival in a centre forward role. So, you know, fair play to him. He's doing well and let's hope he can keep it up. Well, after that miss from Caviero, it was Lookman's turn to miss when he was through on goal. It was a fantastic long ball from Bobby Reed, proving that we really have evolved. You know, we don't have to tap, tap, tap and pass teams to death to get in behind goal. That was just a really instinctive through ball. Lookman ran onto it. He cut back onto his right foot, just took a little bit too too long and his shot was blocked and it went over the crossbar. And at this stage, Will, I was thinking to myself, it's probably going to be the same old story this afternoon of missed opportunities that were going to cost us the game. Yeah, and it's, this is the game that you don't want it to be. You know, we want to beat a Spurs, we want to beat a Liverpool. You want to get that one win that you're not expected to get because those are the wins you need to get when you're not always getting three points against the teams in and around you. And, you know, that surprises people. When Fulham go and beat Liverpool, no matter what run they're on, it surprises people. And and today, the chances weren't as clear-cut as they have been before. But, you know, there was still, we still had quite a few decent opportunities and quite a few decent shots. And we definitely could have been two, two up going into half-time. I thought Lookman could have probably done better there with that cutback and we've spoken about his decision making before and sometimes takes a bit too long or sometimes should pass sometimes should shoot I think we saw that later in the game as well when Lookman and Naina sort of went for the same ball and tripped over each other but it worked out in the end but yeah I, I think Lookman does need to kind of be a bit quicker with what he does and make better passing choices and things we're sticking with we're sticking with positive vibes in this pop obviously but you know, the only critical thing I can say about Fulham today is that the finishing, you know, it's still something that is a bit suspect at times and we are not, we're not clinical enough, you know, when we get chances like this and I'm sure it will come with time, you know, as the season's progressed, we've getting better and better. I'm sure more chances will come and we'll finish these chances. But, you know, it did look like that, you know, we were just being quite wasteful with the chances we were getting and, you know, we need to start finishing more of these chances as they come, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the, earlier in the season, we were panicking about how ropey our defence looked. We sorted that out. And now we're picking up a lot of draws and the odd win here and there. And, you know, we're we're not a top six team or anything like that. Although I think in current form, we are, we are third in the form table. That being said, you know, we've obviously got weaknesses to our game because that's why we're, you know, still third from bottom. But we're growing and hopefully we can start burying more chances. And it would be nice, you know, for the games that we win, it would be nice not to have to rely on one nils, wouldn't it? It'd be lovely to go in 4-0 up at half time and just have the stress completely taken out of it. But the chances are that's not going to happen. And these next 10 games that we've got to go, they're going to be stressful games. And that's what happens when you're down the bottom, unfortunately. So it's, you know, it's certainly there's there's a lot of football to be played yet, and there's there's lots of key moments in the season that will define us 
and hopefully we'll get there. I really hope we do. Let's come on to the goal then. Uh, right before half time, we got what we deserved when Mario Lamina robbed Mohamed Salah on the edge of the box and finished superbly for what turned out to be the only goal of the game. It was quick thinking from Lamina and a really instinctive finish too. He took a touch and then shot across Allison into the bottom corner. It was his first goal for the club and it was the perfect time to score too, Will. Yeah, exactly. And you need, we were saying before, I think it was Danny was saying about we need the midfielders to chip in more because it really is only about three or four players that seem to score. Um, but Lamina got his first goal for the club and robbed it off Salah, which is great because Salah is just a diving cheat, to be honest. So, you know, that really rubbed salt into the wounds a little bit. And he was, you know, their only player in the front three. I mean, out of Mane, Salah and Firmino, who was playing. And he had a really, really bad game. So, you know, that's that's great, really. And yeah, Lamina's goal is a great finish, great instinct, like you say. And the finish was, you know, out of Allison's reach. I don't think any keeper would have got there, really. Yeah, it's perfectly tucked into the bottom corner, wasn't it? And you're right. I don't, I don't think Mo Salah had any idea that Lamina was where he was right behind him. Lamina's just thought really quickly, taken it off of him and, and finished really, really well. Then, of course, it was half time. Stato, what were your thoughts at half time? So before the goal, I was thinking, well, you know, are we going to regret not kind of taking these chances? Uh, are they going to come back to bite us? And then I was also thinking, how can we change this up? Because we are we are on top here. How do we capitalise? Do we bring someone like Mitrovic on to kind of hold it up a bit more? Loftus cheek. But then we obviously did score, and then things kind of you know perspectives kind of changed a bit, and you know it got me thinking: can we just keep it things as it is? We need to keep things contained. We need to be you know, ensure that we don't concede an equaliser within the first 10 minutes because, you know, we're 1-0 up at half-time at Anfield. You know, are they going to bring on the Calvary? Are they going to bring on Mane? Are they going to bring on Alexander-Arnold? And it's really just kind of, we just need to keep it tight for that first 15 minutes and just, you know, see how it gets on. And, you know, that's exactly what we did. Well, right after half-time, uh, there was something of a Liverpool onslaught, I suppose. Um, Diego Jota brought a great save out of Alphonse Areola uh, with a spectacular volley. But it was it was a spectacular save to match, and then Ariola got up to deal with the with the with the ball, you know, when it was on its way down as well. So it was superb goalkeeping once again from a man who's been such an important player for us this season. I remember Baldo saying after a few games this season that he thought Alphonse Ariola was becoming our player of the season, and I questioned at the time how many points his saves that had actually earned us at, the, at that point. Now I've lost count of how many points he's earned. What a man! Yes, what a man. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, I think he's one of the best keepers in the league and the best we've had, well, the best I've ever seen, really, for me. you know. Um, yeah, he's great. I, I Like I said, I, I know we've said this a lot of times. I do feel sorry for Rodak, but Ariola is just a different level. You can tell his experience at PSG and Real Madrid really shines through. And I watched an interview and I was quite surprised. Apparently, Ariola's quite quiet. He's not that loud, but I feel like just his presence there kind of controls the box it gives other players confidence even if you're not a loud keeper but you're there and you're good that gives your defenders confidence to you know pass it back to you and we used him quite a lot today on the ball I noticed in recent games we hadn't been passing back to him as much as we had been but today there was a few back passes to him and you know he gets out quick and his kicks are pretty accurate it's not wasteful possession yeah he's, he's a great keeper and he really has saved us in a lot of games this season he's the only goalkeeper that we've had that I can remember who punches the ball and I don't mind him punching it because he always seems to get a good fist on the ball. He doesn't flap 
and there were a few times today when he's dealt with crosses and he's just absolutely walloped the ball out of the area and out of danger. Stato as Moncton FC's number one. What are your what are your thoughts on Ariola? Well, it's it's been a long, long time since I played in goal um, due to lockdown and whatnot. But no, yeah, um, I agree. His decision making is top class. You know, um, whether to go come and punch or catch, you know, that's kind of a big deal with a goalkeeper because you need you know you need to be confident in your decision making. So you know, he you can see that when he goes to punch it, you know, he means to do that. He doesn't he doesn't he's not kind of caught in two minds with that, which is kind of what you get a lot of the time when you get people flapping it because they try to do a bit of both. Um, I, I agree that you know. Whoever gets player of the season for us, it will come from the defence, whether it be Ariola, whether it be Anderson, Tosin, Aina, any of them really. Um, but yeah, really, that safe today kind of summed up why Ariola is such a big player for us. I, I think, you know, that's kind of the only save I can really remember him making in this game. Um, you know, our defence was that solid that, you know, there wasn't kind of any big chances that Liverpool had you know, that could have cost us. You know, and again, that just shows how how far we've come in such a short space of time. I really felt like Aina had a fantastic game today as well. I thought he was going past players. He's defending really well. Will, give give me your thoughts on Aina. Yeah, I, I didn't realise how rapid he was, to be honest. I mean, there's multiple times where he overlapped Lookman and got quite far out of the pitch. And he's straight back. He was really, he's really, really quick. And his defensive work is good. His attacking work is good. I feel like his work rates are kind of his main trait. You know, he doesn't mind defending. He doesn't mind attacking. And he's always there and where he needs to be. I think he's probably quite quiet, you know, out of Anderson and Adarabayo. They're the ones that do the big headers away, the big clearances. But Aina's pretty reliable. You know, he hasn't really done too much wrong since, you know, his first two games were a bit like, oh, maybe he shouldn't probably be playing. But since then, he's played right centre-back, he's played right-back, he's played left-back. He played CDM for a bit against QPR. He's so reliable. He can play in multiple positions along the back line. And, you know, that that's a great thing for a club to have. A player who will work, put his heart on the line wherever he plays is, is great. And it's kind of similar to Bobby Reid, you know, he'll play wherever. And there's a few players like that. And like you say, it's down to kind of motivation and confidence that Park has given the players. He's one of those players who, up until recently, I could have taken or left him, really. You know, he's he, do, he, he does okay every week. He's probably a, a solid six or seven out of ten every week. But just recently, he's he's really come into his own. And I I feel like at 11 million that, that you know, we, is on the table that we can get him for. As a utility player, I think it's worth doing right now. I, I really would. I don't think you'll get anything better in that position, you know, who can play that variety of roles. What do you think, Stato? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Aina's the perfect example of kind of the recruitment we went for this summer that we were looking for. We've got players that kind of fallen through the cracks at bigger clubs. So Aina was at Chelsea, he was at the academy, didn't work out for him. He went to Torino and, you know, he's just that type of player that no one would expect to sign, but he has. Likewise, the players like Tosin, Lookman, Lamina, you know, all at their pair of clubs, it hasn't worked out for them, and they kind of come to us these, you know, bunch of footballing outcasts almost. And you know, Parker's kind of got them playing; he's got them working as a team together. And I don't, I don't want to say giving them a second chance because they're all kind of relatively young players approaching their prime. But you know, he's kind of he's he's kind of given them that chance that other managers or other clubs wouldn't. And you know, they're rewarding him for his loyalty; it's paying off big time for us. Yeah, and just as you say that, um, 
with Lamina, I remember when we signed him, I was reading a lot of things about how he had a big attitude problem at Southampton. And I haven't seen any of that, to be honest. He His work rates have been great, Lamina's. I mean, there's been a few times where he's tried to be a bit too cocky and maybe he hasn't tracked back enough. But today, you know, and also when he had that um, handball, which was obviously ridiculous, he, he's arguing with the ref. He, he wants this club to do well. And again, he's another player who... I still think Anguissa is probably better than Lamina, but he's played a crucial part this season and I don't see why he can't next season if we stay up. So he's another player who I think, yeah, we should sign him on a permanent as well. Just really quickly, because we need to come back onto this game, but say we did stay up and I'm thinking about financial fair play and what our squad would look like next season, because ideally you'd want to keep the, the core of this squad together and build upon it. But in order to keep the, the core of this squad together, you're going to have to spend quite a bit of money. Um, you know, Lookman, however much he's going to cost, Aina, Lamina, um, Loftus-Cheek, maybe, Ariola, Anderson, all these players that are on loan that make up the real core of this squad. And that's really going to drain the finances just to make us stand still. So potentially, maybe, we'd have to, we'd have to offload some players to then be able to improve the squad even further. And the only players I can think of that would bring in sufficient funding to enable us to build once again would be the likes of Mitrovic and Anguissa. Or perhaps we just sign all these players and then bring in a load more loans. What do you think, Stasso? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think I, I did a bit of work on this um, a couple of weeks back. I just sat down, looked at the loans, looked at kind of the reports like saying how much they'd cost to be permanent some of these reports are accurate some not so accurate but anyway we're, we're looking at roughly like 90 million or, or so to sign all these players on permanence and you know, i would 100 percent do that obviously i don't know how financial fair play works exactly i don't know how much we'll be able to spend next year to make these into permanence or how it will work but i think given what they've offered so far it's 100 percent worth making them into permanence and then kind of dealing with what we have left and going from there and whether that's the case of kind of being in this endless cycle of just having loan to buys each year and kind of being one year ahead of everything, essentially, in terms of finances. So, you know, having to pay them upfront next year or something, you know, that, that might be the way forward. It, it's not kind of a sustainable way, I don't think. But again, I don't know enough about the finances to kind of comment on that. But, you know, if we have to, sp- if we have to spend 90 mil to keep the squad together, then I, I would do it 100%, you know, in a heartbeat. It'd, it'd be worth it. Yeah, with a, with a bit of luck, hopefully we're going to be in a position to do that because we'll be staying up. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge at the end of the season when we come to it. Let's get back to the game then. Um, Liverpool threatened quite a lot in the second half without really creating a great deal. I was worried about their ability to score rather than how dangerous they looked on the day. But we defended brilliantly and we still had some great chances too, particularly when Caviero broke after winning the ball in midfield uh, but couldn't get his shot on target. That chance in particular seemed like the perfect position for him too. It was He's on the left side of the penalty area. He cut back inside onto his right foot and it was a goal that he scored a few times last season. What Did you think, Will, that he, he, might have, he might have been able to get a second goal there or did Liverpool just crowd him out a bit? Yeah, I, I thought we could have definitely had a second. But the thing is, Liverpool in the second half were just... The pressure was unreal. I, I was not thinking about getting a second goal. I was thinking about not conceding, really. The pressure was a lot. I, I think we were definitely the better team in the first half. And 
I don't really know if you can say they were better in the second half, but they definitely created more chances than us. You know, it was just cross after cross after cross. But I was speaking to my friend who's a Liverpool fan, and he says that's all they do. You know, they don't have an answer. They they just cross, and they brought on Trent, and what can Trent do? He can cross, and that's all they were doing the whole game. And Anderson and Adarabai were just dealing with it like absolute monsters. With 25 minutes to go, Loftus Cheek came on for Josh Madger. Um, shortly after, Mane, also a second-half substitute for Liverpool, hit the crossbar with a header, which ended up being as close as Liverpool had come all game. Ariola didn't seem to realise it was as close as it was either, did he, Stato? Yeah, definitely. It's, it almost looked like his angles weren't completely covered. Like he, he saw it, he thought it was just going wide, and he just kind of raised the crossbar, and then he kind of jumped into action to try and get the rebound. But yeah, that was kind of the only scare we really had. Um, you know, I've already mentioned that Liverpool didn't have any chances, but you know, that's not to say that you know the whole of the second half was basically in our half. That, you know, that's all it was. It was just kind of a game of attack versus defence. But you know, given the attacks that they offered, like we all said, it was all just crosses. It was just very comfortable for us, really. Like, I, I wasn't too. It didn't look too stressful at all for them at all. Like, it was, it was something that they could deal with quite easily. Well, Anthony Robinson came on for Adamola Lutman in the last 10 minutes. Then shortly afterwards, Mitro came on for Caviero as we looked to tighten things up at the back and maybe just put a bit more muscle into our defence with Mitrovic. Um, but Mitro even got a chance on the counter towards the end. He ended up having a shot that was hit straight at Allison. It was great to see him involved, though. I love Mitro. I think he's got a massive part to play in our last 10 games. What do you reckon, Will? Do you think we'll see a bit more of him? I love Mitrovic as well. I... I really want Madra and Mitrovic to work up front together. I, I don't know if it will. I don't know if Madra is probably a bit... I thought Madra would be running a lot more than he than he does, really. But if Madra can just keep moving, keep making those getting-behind runs and, and maybe just dropping in a bit more to receive the ball, I don't see why Madra can't play with Mitra up top because I love Mitrovic. Yeah, I, I think he's great. I think you don't score 26 goals in the championship and not be good enough for the Prem, in my opinion. I think if you can do that, then you can at least start in a Prem team that's fighting for survival. I, I really don't see why he couldn't. Uh, and yeah, I think he's going to play a big part. I just hope he gets more minutes than just, you know, 70th onwards. I hope he starts a few, comes on maybe in the 60th or, or even half time if we're losing. But I thought the subs today were really good. I think... Mitrovic was there just to lump it up to if we needed to and also defending set pieces. I think Loftus-Cheek for Madger helped because Loftus-Cheek does drop deeper. He gets on the ball. His passing's good. And Robinson, you know, to change to the five-back, Robinson's quick. I mean, he is a bit shaky defensively. We saw that he mistimed a few headers, but he was there and he was always going out to stop the cross. You know, he's full of energy, Robinson. Maybe all he can do is run, but at least he's there to to run and try and stop stuff, I guess. I, re- I really like what this you know, what Scott Parker's done with this team. I really like how we've been playing in the last couple of weeks. But at the same time, I feel, you know, Mitrovic has been a bit hard done by by not getting more starts here. Um, you know, Parker's done a lot, a lot, a lot right this year. But, you know, the handling of Mitrovic, maybe not so. You know, we, we don't know what, what's happened, what happens behind at the training ground and why he's not starting more games. But, you know, we've had a lot of games where we've missed a lot of chances that, you know, you can't help but think that if it was Mitrovic at the end of them, he would be scoring those. And, you know, in these kind of fleeting 10-minute, 15-minute cameo appearances he's making at the moment, there's nothing that there's nothing, you know, that I can see that, you know, 
shows that he can't be starting these games and that he can play in these systems because he, he he's still working very hard. He's still do, doing his classic Mitro self. There's nothing to suggest that he isn't. So, you know, I would like to see him start a few more games um, in the next, you know, few games. Let's come back on to our defence then. And in injury time, what a clearance from Joachim Anderson from that low cross, proving why he's a Premier League Player of the Month nomination or rather a, a Player of the Month nominee for February. Give me your thoughts on what was a captain's performance, Will. I mean, look no further. You know, it was unbelievable. I think I to put a, to give a captain's armband to a lone player is, you know, it's ballsy, really. That's what it is. But he's proven that he's captain material. And no offence to Kenny, but he isn't really a captain, is he? Um but yeah, Anderson has just been there all the time and that clearance was unbelievable, I thought. I thought that was one of the best things he's done this season. Um, also, like I say, said earlier, just heading out the crosses, he was there all the time and also his passing, I think, is incredibly underrated. I feel like sometimes we skip past that just because of how good of a defender he is. Like The long passes he plays are, are great as well. And him and Tosin have formed an unbelievable partnership. I know we're going to get on to man of the match in a bit, but I think you have to give a shout out to the whole back four today. And even Ariola back five, you know, I think Tete was great. Um, Dan agrees with me on this one, I know, but he's one of the best slide tacklers I've ever seen. He was he goes in for everything and he was, he got a yellow early on and that, that was harsh because I think he got the ball there. Um, and Aina, like you said earlier, was great. And Tosin and Anderson just held held down the box, really. Well, at the end of the game, four minutes of injury time turned into almost six, but we held on for an absolutely massive result. At the end of the day, I suppose three points is three points, no matter whether you win them against, you know, Liverpool or Anfield or whether you win them against Brentford or whether you win them against whoever, you know, three points is three points. But Stato, sum up how you felt when the final whistle went today. Uh, you know, this is probably the first time you know, since the Brentford game where I was just kind of on the edge of my seat begging for the whistle to go out. I mean, I don't know how we got to six minutes of added time. I, I, I can understand how subs take down the minutes, but the subs were made before the added time was brought on. And I, I don't know. It was just, it was quite, it was quite agony. And especially when they had that corner in the last minute as well. It's like, for fuck's sake, here we go. But, you know, once that whistle went, it was just kind of that pure elation joy that, you know, we've got a massive win. Like this kind of, we've had all, we've had lots of kind of milestone moments in the season. You know, we, that win against Leicester is like, right, you know, we're actually here in the Premier League to compete and then um, kind of getting other big results. The win against Everton a couple of weeks back, it's like, okay, maybe we're not doomed. And this kind of felt the next one saying like, right, here we are. We're here to compete. There's 10 games left. Let's fucking do this. So it was it was just great, really. Even before that, though, but like Ariola was taking ages over a goal kick um, and it was four minutes of injury time was already up. And he just took it and took it. And the commentator even said, I think Ariola's hoping that his kick's going to be the last one of the game. He's lumped it up the pitch. And um, there was, a, I think, a couple of players contested the header. And the referee blew. And I jumped up off the sofa and started punching the air. Yeah. And, yeah, and then, hang, on, hang on a minute. He's given a free kick. And then they went and got that bloody corner that Alisson went out for. I was like, oh, Jesus, here we yeah, go. I, here I, we go. I, I don't understand how this happened. Like, surely that, that area, I think everyone thought that area would go kick, that was it. And he was just doing yeah. classic game management. It's what any other goalkeeper would do. And just he takes his time. And yeah. But, oh, God, it's a nightmare. But it, 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 
we got over the line and we got the three points. So I'll tell you that. what, it's classic Fulham as well. Because if you think last week against Spurs, Spurs did everything to time waste in added time, and referee blew the whistle as soon as he could, just after the ninety fourth ninety uh, fourth minute. As soon as this us that need the whistle to be blown, he goes two minutes over what the ref said. So, but you know, got the win anyway. And we've got four clean sheets in six games, as they said on Sky Sports this afternoon, with only Man City conceding fewer goals than us since December. Staying up, it does really feel on right now, doesn't it? Yeah, we're, we're the team with the motivation. You know, Newcastle and uh, Brighton are the ones that are above and slipping. We're the ones that are below and, and going. You know, we, we, we're going for it now. I, I, I still see Newcastle as more likely to get relegated than Brighton, even though... We are closer, uh, closer to Brighton. But I watched Newcastle against West Brom today. <laughs> they were so bad. West Brom looked like more likely to win it, I thought. And yeah, there's no reason why we can't take take over Newcastle, even Brighton. What if we finish two places above? That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think you know, for me, at the start of last week, I saw that we were playing. We were playing Spurs. We were playing Liverpool. We were playing City. And I was like, right. We're probably going to lose all three of those, and I'm okay with that because they're three really top six teams, games that we were expected to lose. You know, for me, the key thing was to make sure that teams like Newcastle and Brighton, they don't pick up that many points in those three games, and they don't go ahead of us by too much. You know, I, I was accepting of the fact that they might get one or two points, but you know, I didn't want them to get, you know, I didn't want the gap to look huge. But in fact, you know, now we've actually cut that deficit by two points, and you know we're, we're now on level points with Brighton, so that's a kind of a remarkable achievement, and you know it's that's it's quite an amazing thing to have done. So, yeah, it's it's a great position we've got ourselves in. Well, it's all to play for, mate, isn't it? So um, let's come on to man of the match. Uh, who are you giving it to, Will, for this one? Yeah, like I said, big shout out to the defence, but I'm going to give it to Lamina, the goal scorer. I thought not only did he score his first goal, I think he was really passionate today about getting the win. I also thought he made a good pass to Lookman at one point, but there could have been a goal scoring chance. And yeah, I, I thought he was very good today. He tracked back, good defending. And yeah, a brave player and a great performance, bouncing back from that handball call. Yeah, that's fair. I'd I'd personally give it to Anderson. I just think, as you as you said earlier in the show, all those crosses that were pinged into the box and just dealt with them all. He dealt with them all with a plum. He was absolutely outstanding once again. So Anderson for me. How about you, Stato? Yeah, I'd have to agree with an, with Anderson. You know, if not for that last minute clearance at the end, he was just fantastic today. He he led our defence. He kept us for he, you know he kept us solid and. You know, going back to the conversation earlier about our loan signings, if we could sign them all, if we kind of had to, you know, pick in what order we had to sign them, if we could rank them, you know, I think for me, Anderson would be that key player to sign first and make sure we get on a permanent because he is just, you know, one of the best defenders I've seen in a Fulham shirt in a long, long time. And how about Scott Parker racing for this week? Then it's going to be a ten for me. Can't I couldn't give him anything less than a ten for going to Anfield and getting three points. Yeah, ten for me. The the coat. Uh, and the result, <laughs> there's a 10. The rubber gimps yeah, in all. Agreed. Yeah, 10s all yeah. round. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, you know, we just beat the reigning champions at Anfield. You know, how can you not give anything less than a 10? 
Yeah, and, and his substitutions and game management towards the end, it was classic Parker, wasn't it? As you said, we'll switch into a five at the back to see the game out, which we did quite a lot in the Championship last season. And, and maybe for some of those games in the Championship last season, it was frustrating because we, you know, we were playing against teams who we were superior to. But at Liverpool, it's completely fair enough. And, um, and we got the job done. So fair play to Scott Parker. He's really turned this round and I'm delighted for him. All right, well, that's your lot for this time. When we got promoted, never did I think we'd be doing a podcast discussing the win at Anfield this season. And I've absolutely loved it tonight. J-Mac's back on Thursday with your man City preview. What price is getting something against them too, eh? Will and Stato, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, folks, and speak soon. Cheers. Fulham.